Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Millionaire Marriage. I'm Jeremy Gilliam here with Taylor Kovar. And today I got an exciting episode for everyone. We are going to talk about how to have a thriving marriage during economic difficulties. AKA a recession. Yeah. Yeah. AKA right now. Yeah. Where everybody's living currently. Yeah. So this is like, has been on my mind and I'm glad we're doing this episode because things are, for a lot of people, aren't getting easier. They're getting more difficult, especially as their money isn't going as far. And so it can be very stressful time. Like we've had a lot of conversations just together about it, about what's going on in our world, what's going on in America. And so I began to think, how do you then have a thriving marriage in the middle of a really challenging economic time? And I thought, what better of a topic to bring to our listeners than this right now, which is what we're all dealing with and living with. It hits home on so many areas. In our financial practice, we have had meeting after meeting after meeting about, hey, the stock market and the economy and inflation and interest rates and you know how that's affecting just day-to-day life and then obviously that bleeds into relationships you know date nights become more expensive and you know the surprise gifts maybe won't happen right uh, yeah. and so everybody's trying to figure out one how to stretch their dollar further and you know part of that is when you're in an economic downturn and you have prices shooting up while I mean, wait maybe wages aren't it creates a lot of pressure and you know money is already one of the biggest issues that people fight about or couples fight about and so we see a lot of turmoil during times like this. So I'm excited we're, we're talking about it today. Going to get some yeah. good practical tips out and hopefully help our listeners to have a thriving marriage yeah. over whatever this next time period is. Yeah. So we got five things for you that I think if you will consider these can really help during this season, however long this season lasts, hopefully not forever. <laughs> so the first thing I got for you is control what you can control. I love that. Now, if you're listening to this and you are a member of Congress or someone that's in the White House first, cool. Thanks. Let us know. Can you give us a shout out, please? <laughs> yeah, give us a shout out. <laughs> no, but seriously, unless you are actually somebody that can that has the ability to control the stock market or to control what's happening in the White House, like you only can control what you can control. And so there are a couple of things that you have the ability to control every single day. The first thing you have the ability to control every day is your budget. So if you're husband and wife and you're listening to this and you're like, well, there's not a whole lot I can control. The first thing I can control is my excess spending. I have control over every time I swipe my debit card. I have control over every time I pull cash out. I have control over every time I do or don't buy something I do or don't need. So that's something I actually have the ability to control right now. You may not want to control that. Right. Yeah, especially when we, we've had this period for the last few years of, uh, I don't say everyone has had, has had excess funds, but I mean, the government was sending out big checks there for a long right. time. And so, you know, what we're seeing is this really big shift in people's thinking and just mentality of like, hey, I'm, I'm used to living this certain lifestyle. Or I'm used to spending this on whatever I want. And now that's going away. And so definitely controlling how you spend your money. Yeah. If that means you are literally pulling everything out in cash and you have your envelope system back, you know, like, like right. certain people advocate, right? <laughs> like that's okay, right? If if that's how you have to control your spending, do it. You know, set yeah. those parameters in place. Back whenever Megan and I first got married, the markets collapsed in 08, 09. We saw a recession and some things. Hey, we went to an allowance. 
you know, all of our money went to an account and it was like, hey, here's your 20 bucks this week. Here's my 20 bucks this week. And this is our free money, right? Like this is the money that you get to spend and I get to spend and we're, we're going to go that route. And it really helped us to define who we were as a couple and who we were as people and really what our priorities were. Yeah. If she wanted that that dress, it was, hey, I'm going to save a few weeks. You know, if I wanted that golf club or something else, I had to save a few weeks or, you know, yeah. it was more important for me to go out to eat instead of packing a sandwich. And so, you know, there, there's a lot of things you can do there, but definitely controlling what you control and spending that money is a big one. Yeah. If you can control your budget, control it. The second thing under control is, and this is something I talk about a lot in classes I teach and conferences I'm at concerning marriage and also like just personal behavior in general is control your emotional man, which will it will lead into our second one. But I want to talk about that for a second. You having the ability to control you right now will also help with controlling your controlling your money and, and everything else about your life. Because there are a lot of things right now that are just out of people's control, right? They just don't have the ability to actually fix, quote unquote, right? What's going on in America or our world for that matter. But they overlook the one thing that they actually can do something about every single day. And it's themselves. And so during this time, during really economic difficulties, you really want to have a thriving marriage. Learn to control you. Get control over your emotional man so that you are not plagued in the mind by what's happening in our world. Learn to control your thoughts. Learn to control your emotions and know the difference between the two. But really, when you really stop and look at things right now and you go and look in the mirror, and I hope you do figuratively or literally, <laughs> when you actually stop and look in the mirror and say, how is my behavior right now during this economic challenge? How is my behavior affecting my spouse? This will lead into our, our second point, but am I living in a way that is challenging to my wife right now? Am I doing things that are challenging? Am I behaving in ways that are challenging? So learn to control you right now. You can, only, again, you only have control over what you have control over. Taylor, I can't tell you how many, I, I work with obviously a lot of different types of clients, but especially with depression. And like the first thing I tell or ask them is, are you making your bed in the morning? Well, no, I'm, I'm really not. Well, let's start with, let's, let's get control over one thing you actually have control over. It's not that difficult in the morning. Stand up, make your bed. Yeah, it starts the day off on the right foot. And then you in the right mindset. And then if things are going terrible, at least your bed's made when you come home. That's right. That's so right. Uh, well, what I'm saying is actually like learn to control yourself. You know, there's a lot of things mentally that happen when we go through an economic downturn for everyone involved. And I think it's really easy to say, hey, well, you know, I'm looking at the doom and gloom or I'm looking at this or that. But I love the idea of controlling what you can control. I mean, Megan and I had this conversation literally this weekend. It was like, hey, there's a lot of things that happen around us. And there's a lot of things that that we maybe can't control that we just kind of have to live. We can't change the laws, right? We can't change the government. We can't change some of these things. But what what can we control in our home? And, and one of those is our attitude, right? Like, yeah, I can, I tell our kids all the time, only you can make you happy, right? Like you, you can't rely on someone else to make you happy. Like you have to make your own self happy. You have to yeah. choose, choose happiness, right? Choose to look on the, on the bright side of things. And so I love that controlling your emotional man, controlling your, your emotional self, 
it's difficult at times. And, and I don't want, you know, I, I know we'll end up talking about this, but that doesn't mean, Hey, you have to bottle everything up and not no, talk right. to anyone, right? There, there are mental health professionals, AKA Jeremy Gilliam right here. There's trusted people, right? Or discussions with your spouse, right? And your spouse, you know, you should talk to your spouse, but at the same time, that doesn't mean you, you just throw your hands up and say, well, I'm gonna act the way I want and do whatever I want because everything's burning down around me. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting you tell your kids, what'd you say? You choose, you choose to be happy? Choose to be happy. So have you ever read The Traveler's Gift by Andy Andrews? Not that I remember. It's a like a leadership principle book. Not necessarily leadership, just like a life principle book. Yeah. And he he uses actual characters to tell a fictional story, if that makes any sense. So he's he's this guy, he gets in an he basically gets in an accident and then like visits these people from history but they teach him lessons that he learns when he wakes up. Anyways, so it's a really it's a, it's an easy book that teaches great life principles. Well, this guy so meets Anne Frank and the whole purpose of his visit with Anne Frank is choose to be happy. Really? And so it's like absolutely when you're in difficult situations, choose to be happy. Like choose happiness. And that's yeah. one thing right now, like in the middle of really challenging times, you have the ability to do it's not going to be easy, but choose happy. I love that. Yeah, that is something we preach a lot around our house because, I mean, things happen, right? And there's always going to be things that happen that we can look on either either side of it. I mean, we took a, a really big road trip earlier this year, and we were having our kids write a few sentences every day, like, hey, about the, the previous day, just kind of like a little journal thing for them and, you know, keep some school stuff going. And one day, one of our kids had written, you know, the day started off great. But then we got stuck in traffic. You know, I don't like traffic jams or something. And it was like, bro, like literally we were stuck in traffic for 10 minutes. Like yeah. 10 minutes we were stuck in traffic <laughs> outside of, we. you saw Old Faithful, right? Like all this stuff. Hang on. No, 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 no. We're going to rewrite this, right? Yeah. And, and it gave a little lesson as far as like, hey, yes, I understand that was a big part of that. Maybe your day that day, right? Or in your mind that stood out. But let's, let's choose to look on the bright side. Let's yeah. choose to see... What other things maybe can I make as a core memory from that yeah. day? Love that. Love that. All right. So what's our the, second tip, Jeremy? The second one in it, the, the actual, the next two kind of tie into the first one, but they are independent. So the second tip, trick, whatever you want to call this, don't live by fear. Like right now, I think we're being peddled fear like it's insane. Right. And it's easy to, especially when you start looking at things, it's like, oh man, what's going to happen? Oh, I, you know what? I don't know. You don't know either. I am choosing not to live by fear. Yeah. I obviously I want to be prepared and I don't want to be I don't want to be ignorant, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to live in fear of what I do or don't know. Rather, I'm I'm going to stay in the present. I'm going to again choose happy and I'm not going to live by fear and I can't take man Right now, it's like people are, they're freaking out. They're so, they're concerned. And I understand why they understand why they're concerned. And I, I really do get it. But this is one thing me and Erica talked about a lot during this season is while I am going to be prepared and I am, and I'm, we're doing things as a family to make sure that we're prepared for just about anything. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to live in fear of what, of what if, what could or couldn't be because we don't know. And a lot of people, they live in that, I don't know, so I'm going to, and it's, it's, a, it's a fearful tactic. It is. And what we tend to see is we get fearful and we do nothing. 
you know, it was like, Hey, I'm scared. And I clam up and I'm like, Hey, well, you know, if the world is burning down, then, you know, anything I do isn't going to matter anyways. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not going to matter anyways. So I'm just going to quit doing anything. Well, and then yeah, the world doesn't burn down. Right. And, and we, we know, I mean, the Bible talks about there's a season sure. for, you know, growing, there's a season for planting, there's a season of drought, right? Like there, there's seasons in life. And, you know, I, I tell people, I've, I've had these conversations a lot these last few weeks is, Hey, look, I mean, just look at history, right? Like, there's been periods all even in the last hundred years where people thought this is it. Like, yeah, we might as well hang it up. And it's like, yeah, I mean, we don't know how maybe how deep of an economic turmoil we're going to be in or a recession or if we're already at the bottom and hey, tomorrow it's going to start climbing out and things are going to level back out. We don't know. Yeah. Like no one knows. And and I get questions like, man, well, you know, you're a financial planner like you. You're supposed to know. You watch the stuff every day, and you know, I, get, I mean, literally get calls almost every day. And I'm like, yeah, trust me. If I knew, right, I would not be doing this for anybody else. I would, I would be retired somewhere a long time ago. <laughs> like, no one knows. We don't, we don't have a crystal ball to say, hey, yeah, yeah this is when you know the price of this is going to come down, or when this is going to level out, or you know, when the water and the lakes are going to be back. Like, I, like, I don't right. know. And so I think being, you know, as prepared as you can, one eases a lot of that fear, right? Yeah. Saying, hey. Here's some practical steps that we can take. So, you know, if you think, hey, food prices are going to increase, well, hey, you can you can buy some food ahead of time, right? Or, hey, if you think inflation is going to crazy, well, maybe you want to diversify into some silver or gold or, you know, something else. Like, there are some things you can take that doesn't maybe go overboard, but that can ease a lot of that yeah. maybe fear. Like, hey, you know, I'm kind of prepared no matter what yeah. happens. And, you know, I've read a lot of books in the past. And, and part of that, and we have some people take that to the far extreme. Right. Like, sure. hey, I'm going to be prepared for the, literally the apocalypse. I'm going to learn, you know, hand to hand combat and how to build a plane out of a tree. Yeah. And yeah. Roots, I'm going to go right? dig like, a big bunker in my backyard. Yes. Right. I'm, I'm going to go literally live in the middle of nowhere <laughs> in order to live off the land. Right. Whatever that right. is. And you know, I don't think that's practical for most people. I think in anything, you have people that swing one side to the other sure. or extremes. But you can do what what makes sense for you and your family and help yeah. to ease some of that. But, yeah, living by fear does nothing but. It grips you. I mean, it it yeah. gives you a negative outlook on everything. And I think there's a couple of scriptures that talk about not living by fear and do not be afraid. I'm yeah. I'm just saying, right? I don't know yeah. the Bible. I'm, I'm not the Bible scholar here, right? Um, <laughs> but you know, but but what it does end up happening though is when you live by fear, it affects you, and then it affects your relationships because it affects the way how you're thinking, and then kind of goes back to what we said first: control what you can control. But when you live by fear and you are you know constantly concerned, I and I'll say this carefully our family we know somebody that's semi-close to us i'll use it that way they are afraid about every i mean they are afraid about everything and it, it has affected all of their relationships so negatively that what they can't see is that it is difficult for people to be around them because of how fearful they live yeah and imagine that husband or wife you're so fearful about what's happening that you you don't even realize you have become difficult to even be around because you have become that, that worry ward or that person that's just living in excess fear and it's affecting all of your relationships. And so here's what I'll say to our listeners. I know I, I understand everything's affecting me like it's affecting everyone else, but don't live in fear. Don't live in the, well, what if, what if, what if? I don't, I, there's a lot of what ifs. Do what you can, again, control what you can control. 
If that means buying extra food, buy extra food. If that means buying extra gas, buy extra gas. If you can't afford to buy extra food or can't afford to buy extra gas, you can't afford to do it. So yeah. don't live in fear. Yeah, you can't change it. So that's one of those right. things you can control what you can control. Right. Don't live by fear, which kind of brings me to the third point is don't take your frustrations out on your spouse or your kids. Don't take your frustrations out on your spouse or your kids. So if this is affecting you negatively and you come home and you're stressed and you're frustrated and concerned, don't take those frustrations out on your spouse. Don't take those frustrations out on your kids. They're in the exact same situation you're in. But it's so easy for some people, not everyone, to get so caught up in fear, not controlling themselves, and then they are just taking their frustration out on their wife or their kids or their husband and their kids. And that is negatively affecting what they're going through right now. And it's making it worse. What are your thoughts, Taylor? I think you've hit it on the nail, right? No, I think we see it a lot, you know, and we've used this in some of our practice as far as saying, you know, I will talk uglier to my spouse and kids than I will to my boss or my clients. Oh, man. Right. And I think that plays a lot into it is, is, and I've had people and especially other entrepreneurs that, that, you know, in circles that I've worked with and stuff, it was like, well, I always have to be on, right? Like I always got to be on when I'm out of the house. So when I'm at home, like, I don't want anybody talking to me. I don't yeah. like, I just want to, you know, and everything to be perfect. And that's not reality. You know I mean? That's our kids and our wife shouldn't, and our spouse shouldn't get the worst of us. And so I think whenever we start looking around and say, Hey, one, what can we control and who, who's in this with us? Yeah. Right? Like, man, my wife and kids, like they are, they're everything to me. Right. So like, I, I want to make sure they're, they're getting the best of me, that they're, they're the happiest that they can be. And that any kind of frustrations, I'm not, again, not taking it out on them. Right. Yeah. And so some of that may be, Hey, when I get home, I'm literally putting my phone up and I'm, or I'm turning it off. Yeah. Right? Like I'm not going to have any distraction for these next however many hours because I want them to have the best of me and not be sitting here under frustrated. I mean, I know people, I've had friends who say, you know, man, when I drive home, you know, I pull over up at the end of my driveway or right by the block and I sit there for 10 minutes and I calm down and I get my head right. So I can, when I can walk in the door, I am smiling and ready to go. Yeah. Right? Because a lot of times what happens, and this is a saying my mom, my parents had as a kid is you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. Right. Like I, you, my mom be like, you may not like me, but you can't pick any other. I'm like, I'm your mom. Right. Like you can't pick another right. mom. Right. Like I am your mom. And so, you know, with that, I think we forget sometimes like, Hey, like our kids, they can't go pick someone else. Like they can't control almost anything. They're at our whim. And so keeping a calm level head around them is extremely important. And yeah. Yeah. So again, with this difficulty that we're experiencing as a nation, as a world, if you really want your marriage to thrive right now, sir, don't take your frustrations out on your wife. She's already concerned enough and let alone for you to use her as a way to take out your frustration. That's not fair to her. Ma'am, same thing to you. This is challenging and maybe, maybe the budget is tighter. The, the worst thing you guys could do right now is take your frustrations out on each other and cause your marriage right now to just fall apart while everything else is falling apart too. Yeah. So if you really want your marriage to thrive right now, 
choose to not take your frustrations out. That that literally means like what Taylor just said. You have pause at the end of your driveway to say, listen, like things at work aren't going so well right now, but I want things at home to be going well. And this isn't that you have to hide. You don't have to hide your frustration, right? You don't have to pretend everything is great when it's not. But there's a difference between being vulnerable and just outright taking out what's happening on your wife and kids or your husband and kids. Or if you don't have kids, just your spouse. It's okay to say, you know what? I'm not okay, but we're going to be okay. Instead of causing this time to allow your emotional man to be out of control. Don't take your frustrations out on your wife or kids. Number four, a little lighter note. I think Taylor mentioned this before we started. Be creative with date night. Be creative. If that means date night used to be overnight trips or weekend getaways, and you're like, eh, can't really do that right now. That's all right. Be creative. I remember, and I, I know I've told the story before, and I'm not saying you have to go back to, I, we're not going back to this. I'm not saying you have to do this, but if this is what you have to do, do it. When we were first married, we were so broke that our date night was a dollar box of brownies from Walmart, which probably is like $4 now. But it was a dollar box of brownies from Walmart and a dollar cone from McDonald's. Like that was our date night. And so be creative and allow this time to bring you guys together when it comes to that. And so if that means it's, it's hey, you know, we're, we're going to, instead of trying to do this big weekend getaway that we've been wanting to do, well, instead we got lunch and took it to a park and just were able to unplug together. Does that make sense? It does. And I, you know, we talk about date night a lot. Megan and I are huge advocates of it. I mean, I send almost, I say almost a ton of my clients, I send messages to pretty routine, like, hey, when's the last time you had date night? Right. Where are you at? When's the last time you had to get away? Because it is, it's extremely important. And right now, more than ever, I think when the dollar is stretched as much as, much as it is, it's a great time to be creative. And, and yeah. I hear people all the time, well, I'm, not, I'm not the creative type. You know, I don't, I don't know what to do. That's really no excuse, right? Like yeah. you, you, you may not, you may not know the best new golf club, but you know how to get on Google and find it. Well, right. I well, mean, uh, uh, I mean, come on now. That's like the excuse of I don't know is out the window nowadays. Like it's, it's just gone, right? You can Google everything else, and you can Google the best hunting weather and weather pattern, and you know the best club or the best whatever else, bro. You're telling me you can't Google cheap date night ideas? Come on. Let's be real. Let's be real. And so, no, be creative. I love it. I mean, it, some of Megan and I's funnest dates, some of our most memorable dates, trips were when we were broke as a joke. I mean, broke, right? Yeah. I mean, super broke. And and those are the memories that we fall back on a lot. You know, we've had Absolutely. amazing trips and we've had, you know, some really expensive excursions and different things. But some of the things that we fall back on are like, Hey, when we were really broken, we had to think outside the box and we had to, you know, Hey, let's, let's grab dollar menu burgers and let's go and, and we'll take our cheese from home because it's cheaper, right. Yeah, <laughs> to put on it right. and let's go to the park to, you know, spend some time together or just walk around. We used to go on drives, but now that gas is, you know, $47 yeah. a gallon, we don't, <laughs> but you know, there's other things that we, we can, <laughs> right. we can do. No, I love it. Love yeah. It. So be, be creative. So here's some of the thoughts I had about, again, you know, if you got to buy a box of, $4 brownies now, buy a box of $4 brownies. Or if you got kids, you're like, listen, we can't even afford to get a babysitter. Okay, well, there are other ways you can be creative as well. 
put the kids to bed early and go sit on the back porch and drink a cup of coffee together and watch the stars or yeah, Google cheap date nights or free date nights. Or if you're the family and, and vacation is not an option, try a staycation. I mean, there are a lot of things that you can do during this time being creative to make sure that your marriage is not just surviving. Let me just pause right there because there are going to be people that are going to leave this economic downturn just surviving in their marriage. And then there are going to be people whose marriages are going to thrive through this. That There's going to be people, Taylor, at the end of all of this, that their marriages are going to be stronger than ever because they've allowed difficulty to cultivate their marriage to greater depths than it ever has been. But there's going to be other people on the other side of this that they're going to go, listen, we have been surviving for the last year and our survival has caused our marriage, our love, our intimacy to wither and die. And so use this time, be creative with this time. And you might create those memories that Taylor was talking about that are some of the most memorable. Because what's going to happen on the other side of this, you're going to go, hey, do you remember when we had nothing during that, that, that economic downturn? And you remember that night that we put the kids to bed and just watched the stars for three hours and talked about life? You're going to go, yeah, that's a great moment to remember. But be creative right now. Allow your marriage to thrive. Don't get into survival mode. Man, if you get into survival mode, then that, it ends up affecting you. It's like this mentality of when things are bad, that it continues when things get better. Just because there's difficulty and things are challenging now, don't cause that to stifle your creativity or to become a mindset. So on the other end of this, you don't continue in those behaviors and patterns. This is the last one. Tip number five is stand on promises in the word of God. Now, we talk a lot about marriage and family, and it's obviously no surprise to anyone that me and Taylor are very devout in what we believe. Stand and proclaim, declare the promises of God. Now, Taylor said again, you know, at the end of the day, we don't really know what's going to happen, but at the end of the day, we really do. One way or another, we know the one who's holding our world together. And there is so much strength that comes in remembering the person who's holding you together. Because you look at church history, you look at early believers, they didn't have the easiest time. And yet they still chose to believe. Sir, ma'am, if during this time you'll keep Jesus at the center of everything, doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But it does mean you're relying on the one who's holding your world together. And so if you really want to have a thriving marriage, it's okay to stand on God's word. Sorry, y'all. No, I love it. I wish you guys could see the video here of the emotion in, in Jeremy as he's speaking. I mean, it's, it's pure heart. And I think whenever we look at the world around us, it's easy to get distracted and say, God, where are you at? Right? Yeah. You know, this or that. I know there's times, and even, even now, where Megan and I will go through and we'll print tons of scriptures, you know, because there's, there's tons that talk about, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. I clothe the sparrows, right? And the lilies yeah. of the field, like how much more valuable are you? And we yeah. forget those, you know, we, we tend to forget that, hey, God's got this. Like at the end of the day, 
bro, like God's got it. Whether we're rich, whether we're poor, whether we have or we have not, like God's got it. And that's what's important. And so, you know, I encourage you definitely get plugged in more at your local church, right? Get more plugged into the word. You know, it hit me the other day and, and now obviously I, I read the Bible or I try to every day, but it hit me the other day, especially where, you know, most of the heroes that we can name in the Bible, like most anybody, even people that never read the Bible can say like, oh yeah, no, I know David and Goliath. Yeah. Right. Like I know this. And it's like, oh, well looking, you know, because these guys are famous that, oh, you know, they didn't have trials. They didn't have issues. And it's like, David literally, yeah, he's like probably the most famous guy in the Bible beside Jesus, right? He's up there. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to trade with his life. No, right. Like absolutely I absolutely not. Do not like that dude had some super high highs and some very low lows. Right. And so remember that, like, hey, at the end of the day, let's put our faith in God. Let's put our trust in him. Let's put our marriage in yeah. him. Right. And pray together as a couple. Yeah. I think I've recommended this book before. I'll do it again. So there is a Austrian psychiatrist who lived through the Holocaust. His name is Viktor Frankl. He wrote a book, Man's Search for Meaning. And in there, he details life in the ghetto in Auschwitz and other camps like that. And talked about the faith of people. And he made this statement. He said, a weak faith is weakened by predicaments and catastrophes. Whereas a strong faith is strengthened by them. So during difficult times, it's okay to let your faith go strong. It's all right. If you really want your marriage to thrive, just remember who's holding this together anyways. I love it. So those, I'll run through those five things again real fast, but we have some of these five tips. Control what you can control, right? Your budget, your emotional man. Don't live by fear. Don't take your frustrations out on your spouse and your kids. Be creative when it comes to date night and stand on the promises that are in the word of God. And, you know, I, I use this saying a lot. A lot of it wraps up to if you want a thriving marriage, be on the same team. Yeah. Right? Like be intentional. And we, we've said that a million times. If you've listened to this podcast once, you've heard us say be intentional, be on the same team, right? Treat your spouse the way you want to be treated. Show compassion, show mercy, give yourself grace, give your marriage grace and mercy during this time. Be on the same team and, and dive into the word of God. It, it literally will bring peace, right? The peace that passes all understanding and do it as a couple thrive during this. Don't just survive, thrive. So if you have some tips, some ideas that you would like to share with some of other listeners, we'd love to uh, share them on an upcoming episode. Hit us up on social media at The Millionaire Marriage. We will see you guys next week. Love y'all. Praying for you. 